November 8th, 2018, was a bright, clear, sunny day. One of those days the Chamber of Commerce prays for. Oh, sure, there was wind. But Santa Ana's are a regular feature of SoCal weather. And yes, there was a brush fire burning somewhere in Los Angeles County. But it was far from my Malibu home. And such fires are also a regular feature of Southern California. So off I went at around 5 p.m. to my regular Thursday evening ballroom dance class, happy and worry-free. I'd started taking classes about a year before and thoroughly enjoyed my new hobby. But by the time I drove home, around 8.30 that night, I had four voicemails from the Sheriff's Department, starting an hour ago, informing me of the immediate mandatory evacuation status of my home. This is the Sheriff. You have ten minutes. I didn't hesitate. I loaded my two big dogs into the car, grabbed my laptop, and left with just the clothes on my back. I'd been through three previous evacuations in the 18 years I lived there, and every time had returned to a home that, well, it smelled of smoke, but was undamaged, even though the nearby hills were blackened. Nothing but the occasional drift of ash to indicate there'd ever been a fire. Not this time. In 40 minutes, my 2,600-square-foot, two-story home that I had rehauled from being practically a teardown over a period of 10 years had burned to the ground. Nothing was left of it or of my possessions. Literally nothing. Even the cement driveway had turned to powder. The firefighters never got to our homes up in the hills. Telephone and electric poles downed by the fire fell across our only road, preventing all access. I never blamed the firefighters. They were beyond heroic. And even in this horrific, epic, woolsey fire, although 1,643 structures were destroyed, most of them residences, the firefighters saved tens of thousands of others. Shock hardly comes close to describing how I felt. My beloved Malibu home had been a dream, long in coming, that I had worked towards steadily until it finally came true. But here's the thing. As surreal as my life was, as impossible as it was to conceive of my home and everything in it destroyed, I never stopped doing my usual do. I went to church that first Sunday after the fire, sang in the choir, as I always do. I continued my day job as a trial consultant, continued my regular postings on my Meet the Amazings Facebook page, wrote my monthly legal and client newsletters, went to my ballroom classes on Monday and Thursday evenings, my ballet classes on Tuesday and Wednesday. And I did all of this because, oh, frankly, I was in such shock. I didn't know what else to do. Yet, it's out of continuing the normal activities of my life, what I have come to think of as my anchors, that miracles came. A ballroom student I barely knew by sight, a realtor, offered me a home for me and my dogs with a yard at a greatly reduced rent almost an impossibility to find in a city with 295,000 people displaced by the fire, all looking for shelter. Other ballroom students, my fellow ballet students, my BFF, the lawyers I consulted for, members of my church, they all gave me clothes, toiletries, office supplies, dog beds, gift cards. The list goes on. I wasn't begging and pleading. They just stepped up to help as soon as it became known I'd lost my home. For example, when I say I lost my home and all its contents, I am being completely literal. All its contents, among which my thyroid medication and my prescription refills. 
After multiple very frustrating calls, I finally got a new refill approved. Yay! I zipped over to the local pharmacy right away. Easy peasy, right? Wrong. There I stood at the pickup counter at the pharmacy, utterly beside myself. The pharmacist was unwilling to hand over the now-approved refill. I'm concerned you're taking more of these than you should, she said. I promise I'm only taking the prescribed amount, I said. Yes, but it's not time for your refill, she said. It's not good for you to be taking too many. It was late. I was tired. Tired of explaining. Tired of being exhausted. Tired of being overwhelmed. And near tears, I said, Look, my house burnt down with everything in it, and I don't have any of my medication. It's not a street drug. It's thyroid medication. And finally, she relented. I got my prescription, paid, and turned to go. A woman standing in the line that had formed behind me while the pharmacist and I were having our set to dashed up to me as I left. Miss, uh, miss, I couldn't help overhearing what you said. I'm so sorry. Do you need anything? Can I buy you something? Anything at all in the store? I was so blown away by this woman's offer and the fact that I needed everything. I couldn't think straight. Her words went right to my heart. I said, no, that's all right. Thanks so much. And I left, crying. As I drove to the rental home down an unfamiliar road in the dark, bawling, it hit me. I have nothing, and yet I have everything. I had my beloved pups. I had a warm, safe, dry place to live in. I had my BFF, my friends, my church community. I had ballroom, ballet, my work, and most surprising thing at all, I had perfect strangers who loved me for providing me with shelter, accommodating my current financial straits, Wanting to give me something, anything to help me isn't love? I don't know what is. One of the most profound revelations of my fire experience was that people are wonderful. They just are. You are. Whether you realize it or not, you are absolutely wonderful. Even when at first it may not look like it. During choir practice one Sunday, our guitarist, reflecting on all that I had lost, piped up with, well, it's just stuff. Now, I'd heard this before, a lot, and I usually buried my feelings, but this time I blurted out, no, it's not just stuff. It's my mother's portrait. It's the flag given to my mom at my father's memorial in honor of his being a World War II vet. It's the first picture of my baby sister. It's my first ballroom competition medals. And I had to stop. I didn't want to start crying. Our guitarist looked at me, quizzically for a moment. And then he said, oh, you lost your story. He got it right. I'd lost my story. The story of my 71 years as represented through the pictures, heirlooms, art, mementos, books, furniture, and everything else one acquires over the years. It wasn't about socks and t-shirts. Stuff is easily replaced. Story, not so easily. The thought flashed across my mind. What I need is a new story, because the old was irretrievably gone, and the idea of a new story was yet another miracle that came through yet another wonderful person. Thus, it began. Now, the first step in creating a new story is releasing the old. Sounds easy. It's not. It's hard. Humans don't like change, and a massive change forced by overnight destruction is worse and for those who in the wake of a natural catastrophe have also lost loved ones, it's even worse, worse. Meanwhile, 
I had to accept that everything was different now without getting mired in grief and despair. As I mourned my loss, I reminded myself how much I had appreciated, loved, and enjoyed all that I possessed. It wasn't just stuff, and it wasn't a collection of neglected things. I had had the benefit of my home and of beautiful, cherished belongings for many years. Somehow that soothed me enough to get on with life. I did, however, still have my moments. It took me a full two months after the fire to throw away the garage opener to my non-existent Malibu garage. It took four more months for me to throw away my Malibu house keys. I knew perfectly well how irrational it was to hang on to these things, but even knowing that, letting go was, well, painful. Then there was the time I was traveling on business, and I saw a woman in the airport wearing a scarf, almost identical to a scarf my mother had given me, a scarf I had loved and worn for over 20 years. I veered off my, please go to boarding gate three, path, and followed the woman for, oh, just one more look, please one more look at that scarf for at least 50 feet before I got a hold of myself, took a deep breath, and bolted into the nearest restroom to weep. When I look back, I think what allowed me to move on to create a new story were the numerous anchors I had developed throughout my life. Anchors are those activities and communities that hold purpose and meaning for us. I call them anchors because they are literally what anchor us to life. Among my anchors were my BFF, my family, friends so close they became family, my church and my church community, choir, ballroom and ballet classes, and of course, my work. Your anchors may be very different. You may have family that gives your life purpose and meaning or a garden you cherish, a book club community, your tennis partners, your gym community, your fellow volunteers at the local pet shelter, for example. All of these and many more are anchors. Virtually anything that gives our life purpose and meaning can be an anchor, as long as it is something that we engage in regularly, that we devote time and loving attention to. The more we value and appreciate our anchors when life is normal, the more fully they can sustain us when life goes off our preferred rails. The easier it will be to forge a new life, to create a new story, to find hope and happiness once again. What did I learn about myself through this experience? Well, I learned that although I am a true introvert, I'm not alone, and I don't have to go through anything by myself, that I am surrounded by more love than I ever dreamed existed, and supported by a wealth of wonderful people, both known and unknown, perfect strangers. Which is why I wrote Phoenix Rising, Surviving Catastrophic Loss, to help others going through similar devastation with some of what I learned, in hopes that would help them move on with their lives, my way of paying it forward. My biggest dream is that we realize we're all in this together, that everyone is going through something, and the more we offer understanding, compassion, and, yes, love, the better we all do, the more we can truly enjoy this amazing gift called life. We all have a story to share and a voice that is meant to be heard, and we want to share yours. For more information and to get involved, visit storiesofinspiringjoy.com. Stories of Inspiring Joy is a production of Seek the Joy Media and created by Sydney Weiss. 
You can find all episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you like the show, hit subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and follow along on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're creating greater connection and community, one powerful story at a time.